0: Hello, I'm delighted to welcome you as you join us on Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. This is your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. The theme of Brian's study today, which is one of this present series on the Gospel of God's grace in Galatia, is to emphasise that faith in Christ and trying to rely on good works for salvation do not mix. So, let's go to Brian to find out more. Thanks, John. It's good to observe things which are repeated in every chapter in a Bible letter.
1: That surely tells us a lot about the main purpose behind its writing. For example, in 1 Thessalonians, the mention of the return of Christ for his church features in every chapter, usually towards the end. In Galatians, it's the cross which we meet in chapter after chapter. And no wonder, for the legalism Paul was countering detracted from the primacy and sufficiency of the cross. But what's also emerged more recently in my reading of Galatians, and isn't it so refreshing when we observe new insights in God's word, what's lately registered with me has been the faithfulness of Christ as a recurring theme of this letter. That too was surely a most necessary antidote to the formalistic tendencies of the Galatian Christians. The faithfulness of Christ is nowhere more impressively shown than through the cross, the ultimate expression of his faithful love for us. Indeed, Christ's own faithful working to God's plan is the contrast made in this letter with the hopeless error of those who are relying on their own works to make themselves acceptable to God. And once they were secure in the truth of justification through faith, what Paul commends to the Galatian Christians in chapter 5 and verse 6 is the outworking of that saving faith through loving service. Where had that been modelled for them? In Christ's own saving career, of course. As hard as it may be for those in any generation to accept that salvation is not based on personal works, it was as hard, if not harder, for the early Christians who'd come from a Jewish background For a couple of thousand years beforehand, each new generation of males had been circumcised. This had previously been God's instruction for an age which was then past. The coming of Christ had brought a major change point and the apostle had to lay it on the line. In Galatians 5 and verse 2 he says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. These strong words are found in the opening verses of Galatians chapter 5. This was Paul's answer to those who'd been saved through faith prior to them beginning to wonder if they should then bolster it with circumcision. This passage is decisive as to the fact that there can be no mixture of any kind between grace and works. Works don't feature in how we obtain salvation, nor are they necessary for holding on to salvation afterwards. But sometimes these verses with which Galatians chapter 5 opens, have been distorted from their meaning and made to suggest the exact opposite of Paul's argument, that we can be severed from Christ and fall away from grace in the loss of our actual salvation. That's not at all what Paul is saying here. Instead, he says, pure reliance on Christ on the one hand and the desire to depend in some way on human effort on the other belong to two totally different categories – such that seeking to even maintain our salvation by some effort of our own transfers us from one camp to the other. In that sense, we are cut off from being able to proclaim Christ alone. We've fallen away from the advocacy of grace alone. By no longer operating in the sphere of Christ alone and grace alone, we lose all certainty and enjoyment of the salvation that God's provided for us in the one finished work of his own Son upon the cross. Of course, this is what Paul consistently taught everywhere and throughout the 13 Bible letters which bear his name. You remember how he'd answered the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But suppose now, just suppose for a moment, that the gift of salvation is subsequently conditional upon our own good works, then we cannot possibly know if we have done well enough to still keep hold of it or not. And in that case, Paul's note of confident assurance to the jailer in Acts chapter 16 would then ring false. Similarly, Paul is at pains to make himself clear on this point throughout this letter to the Galatians. His detailed reasoning is against law-keeping as a means of salvation, and equally against any religious works which try to show the standard of the law. And the argument is equally applicable whether such works are for obtaining or maintaining salvation. Let's just skim over a few of the many points he makes. He says that any salvation which is conditional upon works would demean Christ. This point is made around verse 17 of chapter 2 in Galatians, where Paul argues, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavour to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. A works-based salvation, one where we feel we need to endeavour to add to Christ's somehow insufficient work either to become or to remain saved, such a view of salvation demeans Christ by making him a servant of sin. Relying to some extent on our own efforts is also a view that nullifies grace as Paul shows a few verses later in verse 21 saying, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If the doing of good works could in some way contribute to our salvation, or to our keeping hold of it, then this makes God's grace of no account. As if these consequences weren't bad enough, Paul goes on to show that a dependence on good works in relation to being saved involves a misunderstanding of the role of God's Holy Spirit when he says in Galatians 3 verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? As he says at the beginning of Ephesians, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and after having believed... We were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit's work endorsed our faith, not our works. And still Paul has even more reasons to multiply against a works-based salvation. For example, in chapter 3 and verse 10 he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Works are bound to a curse, not the blessing of salvation. What's more, the law and its works acted like a prison warder, like the discipline imposed by a personal tutor. We read this before. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. If we value what it means to be a son of God through faith, they will not attribute our salvation as having anything to do with works. Finally, Paul reminds us we are not under law. Remember, good works which we do are an outward showing of the law written on our hearts. But Israel's experience should have proved to us that this is no defence against our own sinful nature with all its cravings. A sanctified life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5 and 16, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. A faith plus works formula is like trying to turn back from the Spirit to the law as our sanctifier. Impossible. Someone confronted Martin Luther once upon the reformer's rediscovery of the biblical doctrine of justification by faith alone and confronted him with the remark, if this is true, a person could simply live as he pleased. Indeed, answered Luther. Now what pleases you? Augustine's response on this point was similar to Luther's. What he said was, love God and do as you please. But don't misunderstand, this touches on the motivation the Christian has for his or her actions. The person who's been justified by God's grace has a new, higher and nobler motivation for holiness than the shallow, hypocritical, self-righteousness or fear that seems to motivate so many rule-bound, works-based religious people.
0: I hope you enjoyed brian's talk today and found it helpful and as we're uh, nearing the end of the series with only one more talk to go can i ask you once more do you know the joy and eternal security that comes from having faith in christ if you would like to know more about this or have any other questions please write in and brian will be glad to help there's a transcript book for all the talks in this series. It's still available free on request by asking for the title, "The Gospel of God's Grace." You can order by email or by post, and here's our address: Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY, UK. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 748, Ringwood. Victoria 3134, Australia. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, we're almost at the end of the programme, but once again, many thanks for your company. It's been great to have you with us. Next week, Brian has the final talk of this series about the gospel of God's grace, and we finish with some more uh, practical issues about Christian living. So we look forward to you joining us again, if you can. For now, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you.